2: You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome
3: to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk about how we need to be more positive as wrestling fans in 2020. Also, I give you my top five wrestlers of the decade. That's right. I usually do my power rankings on a Monday episode, but I'm going to give you my power rankings of the top five pro wrestlers of the decade. And of course, as always, Bully Ray reacts. And we get a surprise call-in from Bill DeMott. All that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Now, let's get to this. So, you know, since I always do my power ranking, since I figured that it's the last show of the decade, I should do my top five wrestlers of the decade. And I I made the announcement yesterday on social media, and I got a lot of responses, and I thought some really good responses, some that I didn't agree with, and I want to kind of get your take. We talked about Kofi Kingston again. If I was making a top five of 2019, Kofi Kingston would definitely be on that list, but not of the decade. Somebody else that I saw a lot of was Becky Lynch. Again, Becky Lynch, 2019, absolutely the entire decade. It's kind of hard to put someone like Becky Lynch. What do you mean, kinda? How is it? <clears throat> it's not
4: kinda hard. It's hard. If she doesn't. She doesn't belong there. When did Becky's uh, ascension to the top begin?
3: I would probably say two years ago, if okay. that, yeah. right? Two years ago. Yeah. How many years are in a
4: decade? Ten. And her her, her ascension to the start, top started when?
3: Two years two ago. Two years ago. <laughs> what was she doing the other eight years? She was getting to that point. Okay. Climbing so the ladder. You, you can't put
4: her in the wrestler of the decade. Wrestler of the decade means that for ten
3: years, you were at the top of your game. Now, Bully, in putting this list together, I threw out championships, accolades, match quality. I put in match quality. I know that's not high on your list, but championships is big as well. So those are kind of like... The arguments and kind of the guidelines that I put in place when I was putting this list together. Now, when I was putting this list together, I kind of wanted to get some feedback. So the first phone call I made was to bully. You didn't answer your phone. Shock. And then I called uh, Alex Metz, our producer. He didn't answer his phone. Shocking. And then I called Mike Riker, our former producer that was a part of his show for seven plus years. He didn't answer his phone. Shocking. I actually spoke to Nick houseman of wrestling Inc, which is a site that I love. I spoke to him. We kind of went back and forth. So he, we, he was like a good kind of gauge. I didn't really change my list much, but it was a good to have a bit of a, a sounding board. So I, uh, I thank Nick houseman for answering his phone yesterday. Go ahead, bully. And this is what
4: Bill Demont means when he says you can't stand on your own two feet. It's your top five list, Did and he say you that? had to call call four different people to search for, basically chasing the hug. Hey, what do you think of my list, guys? Did I get my list right? I don't want to get my list wrong because I don't want to get killed by the nation. Why do you care what anybody else thinks about your top five? By the, the way, mean, vind- vindication? No, 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 by the ways.
3: I just, why no, are I just, you
4: calling I, everybody about your because list? Because I just wanted to have a discussion. It's fun. It's fun have to the do discu- that. Have have the discussion today and now. Come up with your list. You stick by your list, I am and then sticking we can talk by about it now. It's
3: cool. I, first of all, I like Nick. I wanted to wish him happy holiday. Thank Monday. God I he didn't was pick at up his, the phone. He was at his in-laws, so you know he was dying to get out of the room. because there's nothing you know why worse I didn't pick up the phone, right? Room. Because it was me. No. Watching the Mandalorian. Of course you were. Did you watch The Irishman yet? No. You, you need to. You gave it two thumbs up, right? Yeah, two extreme thumbs up. Oh. Amazing. I loved it. Bro. Okay. I'll say this the best movie in the last 10 years. Wowzers. Yep. It's been
4: very 50, not that I will let anybody else's opinion of a movie uh, uh, sway me whether to see it or not. I'm going to watch it when I can denote three and a half hours to it. But uh, a couple of people were like thumbs down. Let me ask you this. One of the things I heard is the makeup was horrible. Not that that really
3: matters. There wasn't makeup. They used CGI. And I love the fact that they did that because that's Martin Scorsese, who's an old school director, using new tools in his movie. To me, that's another reason to give it a thumbs up because I thought they did a tremendous job with that. But it was actually CGI and not makeup that they used in the movie. Okay, gotcha. Well, I look forward to seeing it, and I still stand
4: by what I say that you have no balls. Okay, well, uh,
3: going to that point, Bill,
4: (laughs) Bill DeMott's tweet, I liked
3: it. I liked it. I liked this tweet.
4: Of course, you liked it. I like If there everything. was a love, if like there was everything. a love, if there was a love button, you'd hit the love button.
3: Because you know why, <laughs> bully. Can I say something? This is. Would you what, hit the love button? I I would. I would. If there was a heart button, is you know, I would hit the heart button. It is a heart button. I actually think the like button's a love button because it's a heart. You don't hit a heart for a like. Boop.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: I'm Dave Lagreca, and I hit the love button. <laughs> I love this. And you know what? Again, this is what I'm preaching for 2020. We need to start appreciating things. And really quick, before I give my top five wrestlers of the decade, one thing that really was glaring is that a lot of people, obviously, when they go to a game, they like taking the selfies. I saw a lot of pictures of people going to NBA games. And they're taking pictures, and I noticed, wow, there's a lot of empty seats. But nobody was talking about the empty seats. So people are at games where the arena is half-filled with fans, and no one's saying, boy, they're, they're, how can they only have 5,000 people? We're all Nobody's talking like that. We're a wrestling community, for God's sake. Dave, I will say this. If you're one of those people who goes
4: to any wrestling shows and takes pictures of empty seats— and posts them on social media, you are a part of the problem. Yes. You are the poison. You are the cancer. You are everything that is bad about pro wrestling. Would you agree, Dave, Yes. Or not?
3: I, yes, and I wish people would think before they hit send. What and- good are you doing the wrestling community? A really quick, Bully, because we're talking about the coolness factor and about when we were younger. When we were younger, at least for me, it was us against them. It was the wrestling fans against the people who didn't get it and the people that ragged on you for being a wrestling fan. That's not really the case now. That's one thing that's an advantage of now than before. There aren't really the people that say, that's how could you be watching that? That's fake. I think it's more of a part of our culture now than it was before. So it's almost like because there's not that fight that we're going to fight amongst ourselves, which is such a, a poor way to look at things. We should want to make the wrestling community stronger. Again, I say it and I preach it all the time. This is a show. We also have a podcast. But I have no problems promoting Jericho's podcast, Jim Ross's podcast, Stone Cold's podcast, Tony Schiavone's podcast. Why would I do that? We all survive and thrive if everything thrives and survives. I wish more people would have that type of mentality. I
4: completely agree. And I encourage the positive population of wrestling fans on social media to bash the negative people on social media who post pictures of empty seats. I never understood it. We didn't do it as wrestling fans, as kids. I don't know what you get out of it. You must lead a wretched, miserable life raised by a uh, parents who must have not have hugged you enough. Yep. If you feel the need to take pictures of empty seats and post them on social media, all you're doing is perpetuating perpetuating the negativity, and that and needs it's, to stop. It's, it's disgusting. What if, especially the people, Dave? You know, not the people that retweet. It's the people that actually take the pictures in the arena, right? Yep. You're, you're there, you paid a ticket to see a show, but you're more interested in taking pictures of
3: an empty seat as opposed to paying attention to the show? You schmuck. And most of those pictures, by the way, are before the show actually starts. Absolutely. It's like 45 minutes before the first bell time, so people are still getting in, and you're taking that picture because it's like, oh, I'm going to get it out there before everybody else does. The show, what a poor house the WWE has in Omaha, Nebraska. Come on, get a life.
4: Get a life. Boom, done, see you, bye. All right, let's do your top five botches of the decade.
3: All right, so let me, first of all, they're not, can you, can you practice what you preach here, Bully? I love it when you stutter. Can you practice what you (laughs) preach? Now, Bill DeMott's called in. Do I take (laughs) Bill DeMott now, or do I have, do I make him wait? Do I make him wait until after the rankings?
4: You take Bill DeMott now. Okay, let me. Unless you don't have
0: any balls.
3: Hello, Mr. DeMott. How are you today?
0: hello mr lagreca how are you today i'm great you know it's
3: 2019 the final show of busted open i'm hosting here with bully i got big plans for new year's and i'm talking
0: to you how could it be better hey bully happy holidays brother good to hear you
2: my
4: brother thank you for calling in happy holidays to you the floor is yours please
0: stretch this bottom feeder well well first i I was gonna call him because let's I want to make one thing clear. This is my favorite, favorite program uh, on the internet. This is the only wrestling-related show I listen to. It's the only podcast. It's the only thing I get on other than the Elvis uh, station on Sirius XM. I mean, you, got, you guys are it. So I thoroughly enjoy it. And I feel like the education's second to none. That's first of all. So I love the show. Second of all... Dave Lagreca, why would you say I don't have the balls to call in, but I'd say something on social media?
3: Well, did I? I don't think I. I don't think the term I used was balls. Here comes the backpedal. Wait, wait. No, this is not a backpedal. I did not say. I would never use that type of language said, on
0: the air. You said, wait a minute. You said balls and or guts. I don't think. I don't think I, it, I, don't think I said I, both. A, a fellow, a fellow New Jerseyan, translate into balls.
3: I just why, why did you feel the need of some of a show that you love with a host that I know you, you love? Why would you make the, the the
0: thing where I'm saying I love everyone? That's good to love go everybody. Into, you cannot go into a new decade and end a decade on a show that this good and keep saying I agree, great point. I love everybody. This is great. This is the first of all. Stop it. How he's not allowed to hit you once a day is beyond. Then you got Mark Henry who tells you to stop it. You can't agree with everything and everybody.
3: Yes, I I can. But I don't agree with everything and everybody, because we're arguing and fighting about Die Hard being a Christmas movie or not. Die
0: Hard is by far the greatest Christmas movie ever made. It's not a Christmas movie. And there you have it. And there you have it. It was
3: released on July 15th, 1987. How, 1988. How could it be a Christmas movie when it was, came out? Did they, the movie Elf, did they release the movie Elf in July? No. Die Hard, they did, because it's not a Christmas movie.
0: Twelve months a year. Oh, stop it! Stop when, it! When was the Survivor Series first on Thanksgiving? Yes. So because it's not shown on Thanksgiving anymore, is Thanksgiving over?
4: You see, Dave. You see, he just put you. He just summed it all up and put you totally in your place. Apologize to Bill. D- yeah, you
3: know why? You know why? It's not a Christmas. Movie? You never see Santa in a Christmas movie. You should see Santa. There's no Santa sighting in Die Hard. Zero. No elves. No snow, no Santa, nor North Pole, no I Rudolph, think, nothing.
0: I think, in, Jap- in I Japanese
4: think. Nakatomi means Santa. That's right.
0: Clean shaving Santa. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is now, that what it means? What I, think. I think you having Melcher on your show uh. has taken the fun out of you. <laughs> Dave
4: Meltzer's fun. It's, it's, it's like, oh my. Dave Meltzer's fun. What did you just fun? say? Dave Meltzer's fun. Oh my God. Always he's like, has he, a
3: smile on his face. Always he, he's laughing.
4: Like, he, what was the name of the heel in the never ending story? The nothing. He just sucks <laughs> all the fun out of everything.
3: Dave Meltzer is the nothing. Wow. He's great. I, I respect him. He's a journalist that's done the it for first, years.
0: You love, love him. <laughs> how, how many times has he written about your... Uh in the past thirty years.
3: Uh that would be 0. 0.0.
0: There you go. That's why you love him. He's never done any damage to you.
3: Well most people do like me, Bill. Even though no, you're even no, though you're you calling like most people. Even though you're calling and complaining about me, deep down you really like me.
0: I think you're great, but if you go into twenty twenty with the I love everyone, everyone let's hug thing, I'm i when I'm in New Jersey in April. Ooh. I'm going to come by, and we're going to have you think Sammy Callahan is
3: intimidating face-to-face. Are you going to yeah. be in Jersey? Where in Jersey
0: are you going to be? I think I'm at the wrestle wrestle WrestleCon or Wrestle something.
3: That's a hell of a that's a hell of a plug for the show, Bill.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'll
0: be at I'll be at, wrestle
3: so, at the, I'll, be re, I'll be at wrestle something in uh, downtown. <laughs> I am uh
0: I'm somewhere. I'm somewhere in the tri-state area in the in the month of April doing something with wrestling.
4: Okay. All right. Well, well it- let me ask Bill let me ask Bill one quick question, Bill, cuz we're about to get to Legrec. We've been pushing it off as much as we can, and we're going to try to no, do it even more.
0: I'm trying to help you.
4: Do you do you have do you have a top wrestler of the decade? Is there one particular wrestler that sticks out to you over the past 10 years where you find yourself as a veteran who's seen it all, you find this person must watch
0: of the decade? No, I don't. Wow. Wow. Hot of, take. Of of 10 of, of like the whole decade, I I don't have um one person. I think the guy because I put him in a different category probably is Jericho. I mean, to, but to me, he just stands out on his own. So I don't know if I go, I mean, he'd be the closest for me. And, and, and again, I'm an AJ Styles fan too, but I'm not sure how that applies to the to the decade. So my honest answer is instead of riding the fences, uh, other than Jericho, I don't have a, a top one of the decade. Okay. I mean, that's well, fair. Jericho's a
3: pretty good one. That's fair. Mm-hmm. Actually, the two names that you mentioned, I think are, are names that should be near the top of anyone's list, Bill. I hope when you're here in April that you stop by, or maybe we could do lunch. Pierogies. Easy with the pierogies, Bill.
0: Oh, oh get, in li- get in line, Bill. Pierogi. Get in line, brother. Oh. <laughs> I heard my I heard Mama's a chubby chaser.
4: <laughs> look at look at me, Dreamer and Mark Henry. What do you think?
3: <laughs> Bill, uh, I know it's uh, I know it's not fashionable to say this, this day and age, but I love you. Hey, man,
0: you guys are the best. I appreciate you so much. Keep up the good work. I mean that sincerely. A great education to wrestling bully. Hands down, a great job. You guys are the best. I appreciate your time as always.
3: All right, Bill DeMott. Thank you, Bill. Take care. And, and, and don't forget that Bill DeMott in April will be at Wrestle Something in downtown <laughs> blah, blah, blah. date to be determined later. <laughs> Between <laughs> April 1st and April 30th in
4: Jersey, Bill will Jer- be wrestling.
3: In New Jersey.
4: In New Jersey.
2: So just drive up and down 80s.
4: Yeah. yeah. See what you can find.
2: Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Can I do my top five wrestlers in a decade?
3: I prefer you didn't. Well, you know what? You're going to do it because I think you're going to agree with a lot of it. So let's get right into it. My 2010 pro wrestlers of the decade. These are, I believe, the top five wrestlers that defined the entire decade. Bully, we talked about it. There's a lot of wrestlers that had amazing moments, amazing matches, amazing years, You know, again, if I'm talking about 2019, Nick Aldis, Kofi Kingston, Adam Cole, amazing years. But when you look at the entire decade, that's what you have to look at. And I'm going to start with my number five. And when you look at my number five, let me just throw out some of the accomplishments of this gentleman before before I throw out his name. A five-time WWE champion during this decade. WWE Intercontinental Champion, WWE Tag Team Champion, WWE United States Champion. All those championships from the 2010s belong to Daniel Bryan and Daniel Bryan's number five on my list. Again, he had an amazing moment at WrestleMania 30. Now, things went a little south after that. Obviously, concussion issues, he had injuries, but it made a major comeback at WrestleMania 34 in that tag match. And again, had an amazing match with Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania 35. So, at number five, Bully, I have Daniel Bryan. What are your thoughts? Listen. Uh,
4: I agree. When you you rattled off his accomplishments, his accolades, Daniel Bryan since 2010 up until right now um, has been at the, the the top of the list. I mean, just look at the WrestleMania 30, you know, win for him, his ascension, his rise to the top, staying at the top. Yes, he did. He did have some time off there for the concussion, but I actually think him coming back from this the the concussion issue is a part of his incredible uh, you know, decade. So Daniel Bryan
3: being on the list, I agree with. All right, at number four, and here's where it gets a little murky, and this is why I didn't have some of the wrestlers that a lot of people are mentioning, but this woman had an amazing 2010. She started training with the WWE in 2012 and made her debut in 2013. Now, that's only seven years with the company but these seven years have been absolutely fantastic and when you look at the accomplishments it's second to none pro wrestling illustrated woman of the year in 2016 rookie of the year 2014 for pro wrestling illustrated uh nxt champion wwe divas champion four-time raw women's champion and five-time smackdown women's champion and that's charlotte flair at number four bully listen Charlotte, without a doubt, belongs on that list. I mean, from
4: from the way uh, the decade started for her, I, I might even make an argument for Charlotte being in the top two.
3: Yeah. And you want to know something, Bully? I would have had her in the top two if she was around wrestling for the entire decade. But she started in 2013. If her career started two years earlier, I think she would be in the top two. But... These seven years that you're talking about with Charlotte Flair, I mean, second to none. Now, a lot of people saying Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, obviously, her 2019, incredible. But when you look at the entire decade, I don't think there's anybody else you can put on that list other than Charlotte Flair. Becky Lynch doesn't even come close to Charlotte Flair when we're talking about
4: a decade of accomplishments. I mean, just take a pen and paper and, and list the accomplishments year by year by year. And everything that Becky did, Charlotte did also, you know, sh- 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 and has done many times more. Um, that's not to say that the next decade can't be the decade of Becky Lynch But as far as 2010 to 2019 is concerned, no, Charlotte, absolutely.
3: Now, at number three, and you talk about somebody who brought an organization to the mainstream and maybe changed the perception of a company. This wrestler definitely did it over the course of this past decade. How about this? CBS Sports said this was... His involvement in a match in 2018 was the match of the year. Had the match of the year in 2012, match of the year in 2014, match of the year in 2017, match of the year in 2018. He was Pro uh, Pro Wrestling Illustrated's number one in our top five singles wrestlers in 2017. And how about this? where you can make the case, maybe the most prestigious title over the last decade when it comes to what this man has held, and that's the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Five reigns in the 2010s. His fourth reign was for 720 days, which is a record. Also had a record amount of title defenses as well. I have Okada at number three. And to think where this
4: guy started, to think that Okada came through the doors of TNA and how TNA treated him back in the day as if he was a jobber, a nothing, a sidekick to Samoa Joe wearing a Kato mask. To see how he has risen uh, and and totally become the... Until Tanahashi leaves, to me, Tanahashi is the ace, but Okada will be the new ace of New Japan Um he definitely deserves a spot on the the top five. A phenomenal wrestler who has been getting the job done for a long time now.
3: Yeah, and when you look at, you mentioned Tanahashi, I was thinking about him, but a lot of his accolades, a lot of his championship reigns was the previous decade. It definitely bled into the 2010s, but when I think when you look at Okada, man and you look at this past decade especially what he's done the last few years you but you, again his work in new japan the entire decade at a very young age it's hard to leave okada off this list bully and you know it could be an, an interest a, a very interesting discussion
4: and my god we would get so bogged down with this one when it comes to okada omega did okada make omega
3: or did omega make okada it's a great discussion I mean, again, their series of matches is, you know, we always talk about is what led you being part of this show, our discussion about their series of matches. And it takes two to have a match. Listen, if you have Kenny, did, o- go ahead. Did did Flair need Steamboat or
4: did Steamboat need Flair? Whew! <sighs> exactly.
3: It's an interesting question, right? We could put it to Kenny and Okada also. Sometimes there's just a marriage that works. Sometimes it takes two. And when you look at that, at that series of matches in 89 with Flair and Steamboat, hell, the, the feud that they had even earlier for the United States Championships with the NWA. They, they, listen... I mean, if somebody had Kenny Omega on their top five list, I can't argue that. Kenny Omega has had a tremendous decade. There's no doubt. That's what makes this list so tough. You're going to have to leave wrestlers off that you so desperately want to put on. But I'd have to leave Kenny Omega off and I put Okada on. But it's an excellent question. Who needed who most? It's a great one. I don't know. If you go back and you look at Flair and
4: Steamboat, if they never worked, would Flair still be as over as he was? Yeah, yeah, he would. Would would have Steamboat have become a bigger babyface if not
3: for Ric Flair? It's just that Steamboat was 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 probably as big a babyface before that series of matches. I mean, when here's the thing: when you talk about Steamboat, you know, a lot of people think that the match, his series of matches with Flair wasn't his even his best match. A lot of people talk about his match with Randy Savage at WrestleMania 3 bully.
4: Um I am not one of those people who neither am I. uh buys into the whole WrestleMania 3. Listen, WrestleMania three was a great performance by Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat. There is no doubt. You know, one of the age old questions is, would you rather be Savage Steamboat? Or would you rather be Hogan? uh, Hogan Andre? Well, I'd rather be Hogan Andre because it made the most money that night. Um, Once you get into the wrestling business and you kind of hear all the stories about what went into the making of that match, and then when you personally are involved in matches that were done in a considerable less amount of time, I don't want to pull back the curtain too much, Dave. But you kind of know what I'm talking I do. about here. I do. You know if if you if you discuss something for months and months and months, yeah, you better be able to go out there and perform it the way it was performed. Well,
3: it's 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 like it's the difference between a well-scripted movie and an impromptu Broadway show. Like, that's probably the difference between Randy Savage and Steamboat and Flair and Steamboat. Flair, and you, and you saw it in the 30 for 30 documentary on Ric Flair because they talked about their, their series of matches and about how well they knew each other. Like, Steamboat said that they would communicate with their eyes with their eyes they would communicate they knew what the other person was thinking there was no wasted motion in any of their matches and there was nothing planned beforehand they did it all on the fly in the ring uh
4: and and that's the beauty of Flare and Steamboat on the fly that is the epitome of the word working Savage and Steamboat was not working okay that is something that was you know, discussed, planned. I, I, I don't like to be disrespectful and go too deep into it because those guys deserve uh, all the respect in the world for that performance. But once I got into the wrestling business and I heard the legend and the lore about how that match came together, I was like, well, of course it had to be that great. How could it not be that great if you had that much time to put something together?
3: And I know a lot of people kill me on this, but what hurts the match even more than that for me, and again, George it's, still, Steel. it's George the Animal Steel. His involvement yeah. in that match and his involvement in the outcome of that match, I'm sorry, it takes a little bit away. It's still a great match, still a phenomenal match, still one of the best matches in WrestleMania history. His involvement takes away from the match. Hey, Dave, let me
4: ask you this. This just popped into my mind. Do you remember a couple of years ago when uh Osprey and Ricochet did that opening spot in a match mm-hmm. and uh Vader, God rest his soul, actually commented about it on social media and he said, "Oh, look at this choreographed acrobatics and you know all this stuff." You know, remember that? Yeah, I do. What's the difference between the Ricochet and Osprey choreographed acrobatics than the uh Macho Man
3: uh steamboat choreographed acrobatics? I would probably say because you could you could make the case both are choreographed. Uh I, I would say maybe the psychology of it would be the biggest difference. That would that would be the biggest thing. Fair, but still choreographed athleticism? Yes. There you
4: there go. There
1: you go.
3: have to go even deeper when you talk about my number two wrestler of the decade, and that's about how he has changed his persona, his character, his personality, is always changing and evolving, and he's been able to do that while being an IWGP Intercontinental Champion, a United States Champion, a WWE World Heavyweight Champion, and the first ever AEW World Heavyweight Champion, and I'm talking about the one and only Chris Jericho in the number two spot. And man, you think about it, Bully, Chris Jericho being the number two wrestler of the decade, in my opinion, without being, you know, in a main event at WrestleMania. You know, you could you could obviously say he was in one of the main events, sure, but he never closed the show. But you know what? To me, that was a big mistake by the WWE because there are a lot of years while he was with them this past decade that I think he was must-watch TV, and I think he was the best thing going on the show. Uh, And then you look at Chris Jericho, and this is why Chris Jericho is somebody that's in my top ten of all time, because you look at what he did the previous decade, where he really most won most of all his championships. But what he was able to define in this decade is how he's been able to reinvent himself each and every time. Chris Jericho at number two, Bully. Jericho
4: should have been your number one. And you know damn well Jericho should have been your number one. But you were afraid. To put Jericho at number one because you thought I would hammer you for putting Jericho at number
3: one. Number two is damn good, bully. Number two, Oh, wrestler absolutely. Of the I know,
4: but you know what? I have a funny feeling. I know who your number one is going to be. Mm-hmm. And number one had a one hell of a decade, but not better than Chris's. You should have stuck to your guns and put Chris Jericho at number one, but you didn't. Because you were worried about the backlash no, from me. That's well, not true. here's the backlash that you get now. You should have put him number one because you know that from January of two thousand and ten until December of two thousand and nineteen, nobody had the decade that Jericho had. I'm gonna disagree with you because I think okay. my number I I have did. a funny I yeah, think my well, number I one think, did. I, if you match him up for year for year, I don't I think your guy comes up just a tiny bit short. Would, just a right. tiny bit. Now, and trust me, I'm a huge fan both personally and professionally of who I think your number 1 is going to be. Now, if you I probably had a couple of matches with your number 1 that put him at number 1 in your decade, <laughs>
3: best of the decade. Well, that's a that's a major hint. But at number 1, and let me we we talked about how I measure this. Because if you're going to go by moments and you're going to talk about inspiring, there, you know what, let me give you my number one. I can give you some of the honorable mentions for sure. Now let me throw out some of the accolades and some of the things that happened with this particular wrestler over the last 10 years. How about this? Three-time United States champion. Two-time WWE champion. Two-time IWGP World Heavyweight champion. Former Ring of Honor champion. Former TNA world champion. Think about that. <laughs> no, but I'm... For what, for rump for what? For, for, for. And just let this sink in for a second, Bully. Think about it. This has all happened in the 2010s. TNA world champion. Ring of Honor World Champion, two-time IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, and, oh, yeah, a two-time WWE Champion, and maybe one of the biggest accolades of all. When you talk about, Bully, as you say, the coolness factor of pro wrestling, and when you talk about pro wrestling hitting the mainstream, how about this? At one point, he was the leader of the Bullet Club, and I'm talking about my number one wrestler of the decade, AJ Styles. It's a hell of a choice. When you look at the championships and the accolades and everything else, it's hard to not put AJ Styles number one. And, and Bully, again, Bully, really quick, this was an impossible task. There is no—I can't say you're wrong for putting Chris Jericho number one. I'm sure most people will put Chris Jericho number one, and you're right. Sometimes I think about the backlash. Sometimes I think about the own, my own bias because you even said, "Hey, Dave, you're biased. You know, you're gonna throw this in. You're gonna. T- it's gonna be a popularity contest. If it was number one, would be Chris Jericho. But when I look at my parameters, when I look at the definition of what it needs to be, and then I look at that list, I mean." Think about it. Ring of Honor champion, TNA world champion, IWGP world heavyweight champion, and WWE champion? Man, it's impossible not to pick AJ Styles. Your thoughts, Bully? Is it more difficult to get to the top
4: or stay at the top? Mm -hmm. Is it more difficult to win your first World Series or to...
3: Win back to back World Series. It's for me, it's probably harder to stay on top than to get on top. AJ
4: Styles finally breaking out of TNA in 2013, 2014, and then the upward trajectory of his career is basically a no brainer. AJ was one of the biggest stars in the world who never got a taste. Of the top rung. The absolute. Mountaintop. Which was New Japan and the WWE. So AJ becoming an IWGP champion. I'm not shocked. AJ Styles becoming a WWE. uh, uh, World champion. I'm not shocked. Any of the things that AJ did in, in, in this past decade. I'm not shocked. Because AJ was destined for that greatness. Jericho had done that all already and for the entire decade found ways to win championships constantly reinvent himself constantly keep himself in the main event and constantly keep himself on the tip of everybody's tongue for 10 years aj's the easy
3: choice
2: Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. There is
4: somebody that you have left off the list that I think is an atrocity. Go ahead. And by accolades and championships and all that stuff. So you're going to have to pull somebody off your list. Because I don't know
3: how in the hell you left off John Cena. John Cena was somebody more than anybody else, Bully, that I completely struggled with. John Cena was some Bully, you can make the case of John Cena being number one on this list. And you're right. Keeping him off this list is tough. And it was a tough decision to make. This list was probably one of the most difficult things that I had to do since being a host here on Busted Open. Seriously. Because you look over the last decade, and it's been tremendous. And if you looked at—wait, let me finish. Because if you looked at John Cena, and if we did a five-year-end award at the end of 2015— you could, he would be number one with a bullet, and nobody would come close. But the reason that I left him off this list, and this is a guy who had nine championship reigns during this decade. He really, if you look after WrestleMania 29, it was scarce. WrestleMania 27, main event at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 28, main event. WrestleMania 29, Main event. WrestleMania 30, not near the main event. WrestleMania 31, not near the main event. WrestleMania 32, I know it was even a part of WrestleMania 32. WrestleMania 33 was part of a mixed tag match where he proposed to Nikki Bella, which never happened, marriage that never happened. And then this past WrestleMania made, like, more of a special appearance than anything else. It's a tough thing to do, but judging from the second half of the decade... I had to leave John Cena off, and I can't put him on my top five wrestlers of the decade. Don't you think that the
4: amount of time, let's take John Cena's second half of the decade, Mm -hmm. where you say it doesn't hold up to his first half of the decade, and and it and it doesn't. But what about the amount of time that Daniel Bryan was away from the game, and Daniel? Well, Being, being away from the game. And doing things that are not as great as the stuff that you have done
3: before are two different things. Well, true. But if you look at WrestleMania 30, and really, in and, and, and actuality, and you just said it before, it actually helps the lure of Daniel Bryan in the fact that he had that comeback. Um, so I think that actually helps Daniel Bryan. And again, Daniel Bryan, it's surprising Coming out of WrestleMania 30 and what took place at WrestleMania 30, probably coming out of that, if I thought I was going to do a decade-ending list, I I would think probably Daniel Bryan would be higher, but it was a tough road. He does make the comeback, became a champion again as well. Can't take Daniel Bryan off that list. Just can't do it. And by the fact, too, in the last decade, five-time WWE champion, Tag team champion, U.S. champion, intercontinental champion, that moment at WrestleMania 30, the comeback, can't leave Daniel Bryan off the list. What was Okada doing
4: from 2010 until
3: 2015? He was building and having amazing matches with Tanahashi. That added to his legacy. Now, we look at it, because you mentioned, like, 2010 being a part of TNA. So to American audiences, probably wasn't doing anything. Because we're seeing him on TNA. But when you look at what he was doing with New Japan and main eventing in Japan in the Tokyo Dome, and then what he helped build halfway through the decade and having some of the greatest matches where we're arguing where that could be on par with Flair and Steamboat and becoming a five-time IWGP champion and having the longest reign and most title defenses... Can't keep Okada off the list. I will say that Jericho and AJ must stay
4: on your list. I can say an argument can be made for Cena to replace one of the other three. Gun to your head who does Cena replace between Charlotte, Okada, and Daniel Bryan? Man.
3: It would probably be Daniel Bryan. I think Okada. But I'm not doing it. I'm not asking you
4: to change your mind. I'm just saying Cena has—he's got a hell of a lot. Listen, it's about—it's about quality, not the quantity of the ten years. I think Jericho has stuck ten quality years into into the ten years. I think he's had a lot of quality. You're saying John only had
3: six good years. But it's still a lot of quality. Oh, yeah. There's, and, again, this was a struggle for me not to put him on the list. I, obviously, And, again, this is where Bully, it's easier to put a top ten list together than a top five, obviously. Because if we had a top ten, you know what? John Cena would be on that list. you know who else would be on that list? Cody Rhodes. I mean, when you you look at... I mean, if you look back at the last five years, probably nobody's had a better last five years than Cody Rhodes. Look at what he's doing with AEW. But you have to look at the entire decade. And when you look back at 2010, 2011, the fact that he was, you know, stardust, you have to take that into account when you're putting this list together. And... You know, there's a lot of, I'm already seeing it on Twitter, there's a lot of angry fans. But you have to, when you say top five wrestlers of the decade, you have to put that decade in its proper place the entire 10 years. The only wrestlers that, the only wrestler on my list that I feel wasn't consistent through the entire decade was Charlotte Flair because she made her debut in 2013. But you can't deny what, I mean, what the history behind those seven years all valid points i think your names are good
4: um i'd love to hear what the nation has to think
3: yeah because i and this is where i really want i definitely want to hear from the nation and when you speak at a nation one of our most loyal nation members is izzy from orlando and izzy what do you think of the top five wrestlers of the decade and and what do you what do you have
5: so Looking at yours and hearing yours, I think it's a pretty good list. Except, How about
3: you say hello first
4: art. and say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays, kid? Okay, let's start over.
5: Hello. <laughs> Happy Holidays. I hope your holidays were great. And Happy New Year. Also, I would like to throw in. You guys know I had to call into Busted Open to end off this decade. But going back to Dave's... Um, Don't get too big for your fiber.
3: bridges, kid. I'll strike you yeah. down. And here's here's the thing. Really quick, Bully... This is how I know Izzy will never get too big for her bridges because she has a great foundation with their parents. It starts at home. Her parents, her parents are amazing. They're a great foundation. Izzy will always be humble. Go ahead, Izzy.
5: Thank you. So I think Twitter. your power rank, your not your power rankings, but your top five wrestlers of the decade are really good, except AJ Styles. Like Bully said, I think he should have thrown in John Cena, Brock Lesnar, even The Rock but I don't really think AJ Styles should be number one. And it's okay if he's in the list. Maybe he should have been number five or maybe number four, something like that. But I kind of disagree on that part. But going into my top five wrestlers of the decade, I want to start out with number five, and that would be Daniel Bryan. Uh, Like you guys said, he came back from an injury, and no one was really expecting that. So that's pretty big. And in my opinion, that injury is very hard to heal from. So – I wasn't expecting him to come back. I just thought he was this his whole career was pretty much over. And also he started the yes movement in this decade and he's been consistent through WWE. So I definitely think he should be on my list. Um number 4 this wrestler he has had a big evolution and that is Chris Jericho. He started out in WWE and then he went on to New Japan from what I've heard and now he's One of the top guys in the AEW from what I see on social media. Whoa, whoa, Izzy. So,
3: Izzy, let me stop you for just a second. So, you don't watch AEW at all?
5: No. Wow. I know. I'm I'm always going to be a WWE girl. I tried. I mean, it's really cool that there's different wrestling promotions and that they're trying to compete with the WWE because I love competition. I mean, who doesn't? But I... I tried,
3: and I was like, "Eh, it's okay. All right, Izzy, let me ask you this. How old are you again? I'm 12. All right. Bully, we can all learn from Izzy, who's 12. Because (laughs) Izzy just said she watched AEW, wasn't her cup of tea. She's extremely loyal to the WWE. We know how loyal she is to NXT. I will say this. Izzy is extremely active on social media. I've never seen her speak poorly of the AEW product, she'll praise NXT, but she doesn't watch AEW. I wish more fans would be like Izzy. Izzy, continue with your list.
5: Thank you very much. um Also, I do have like a lot of favorites on AEW, like Leva Bates and um, like just some other people, and I love them, but I'm not a big fan of AEW. No offense. Going on to number three. Um, these two women actually have started this whole woman's evolution if you look at it and it's the bella twins they are the main reason why we don't go to the bathroom during the women's matches or go to the concession stands or the like the wrestling shirt stand Mm -hmm. so i really think they deserve number three because they've been they've really evolved just like chris jericho they have, I believe they have their wine company. They have their Birdie B company. They really are living the great life. Um, going on to number two, I picked Brock Lesnar. This whole decade, really, he has been the legit beast. Like I, um, He's the WWE champion right now. And like I said about Daniel Bryan, he has been consistent. So I definitely think he should be on my list.
3: All right, number, one, number one, here we go.
5: The final one. It's John Cena. I mean, how could I not put him on my list? It definitely has to be him. He pretty much has been on every single pay per view, I think, except for this year, though. But he has had two, one of the two, like, yeah, two matches that have been really big in this decade, and that's with The Rock. So he deserves number one. I'm sorry, Dave, I got to disagree with you with AJ Styles, but he deserves number one on my list. So that is my top five list. Top five wrestlers of the decade. I do want to throw in. Thank you so much for making this whole decade amazing. If it wasn't for you guys, this decade would be pretty boring. (laughs) Um, One of the best parts about this decade was joining the Busted Open Nation. So thank you guys so much for bringing wrestling to the radio stations and just bringing so much joy. And I guess I'll see you guys or talk to you guys next decade.
3: Well, we'll see. And we'll see in Tampa, right? Oh yeah. Okay, Izzy. Thanks so much, Izzy. Awesome call from Izzy. I don't completely agree with the list, and I gave you the reasons before for John Cena, the Bella Twins. They, had, I believe, they had three championships between the two of them, at a time where I think, like she was saying about the bathroom break, I think that was the time that. And this is not a disrespect to the Bella Twins, but it was at that time of the Bella Twins. I can't put them in the top five, especially over somebody like Charlotte, but I think a pretty good list. Also, Brock Lesnar. It's hard for me to put Brock. Brock had some amazing moments. Uh, obviously, beating Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania 30 would be one of them. But I think if you look consistently throughout the entire decade, and for a big part of that decade, he wasn't even a part of... Of pro wrestling hard for me to put brock on the list bully if you there, there could be a
4: case made for brock because the things that he was involved in he won most of them mm-hmm. um i think we're hearing from a person who is a diehard wwe person which is totally fine i'd be interesting to know what she gave in aew a chance was it a match was it a character was it in show you know was it a couple of weeks but yeah i mean that's her list and i understand why it's her list because she is such a diehard wwe fan
3: yeah there's no doubt and you know with brock obviously got a lot of mainstream attention for the wwe because what he did even outside of the wwe all right let's go out to austin in Baltimore. What's going on, Austin? Who's your wrestlers of the decade?
1: Hey, Dave.
3: Hey, Dave. Hey, Austin.
0: Hey, so uh, I'm going to go through mine real quick just because I want to ask you guys a different question and a bunch of people who put their input in. Go ahead. So, uh, so for five through one, I'm going to go with
5: John Cena at number five, uh, Seth Rollins at number four, and probably AJ at three. Daniel Bryan at two, and uh, Chris Jericho at one. But back to my question, do you guys think that, like Izzy, I think a lot of people have the issue of the first time they watched AEW, there's no emotional connection to the characters. But with NXT, even if it's not been on TV, it's been on for years. You know, we love Johnny,
2: We love Adam Cole. We love
5: everybody else. A lot of these kids probably look at AEW. They're like, man, this stuff looks cool, but... Who are these people? Especially with a younger audience. So, you know, they gravitate towards characters more than anything.
3: Love to get your guys' thoughts on well, that. Well, Austin, thank you for the phone call. That's why, as wrestling fans, we need to be patient, number, number one. Like, it's amazing to me, Bully, how many people are are talking about AEW, you know, like they've been around for 10 years when they've been around for a few months. Like, you know, you got to give a company a chance. Uh, Izzy, as we all know, is a die-hard, die-hard—not even a WWE fan, a diehard NXT fan. I mean, she's there. I mean, has there been maybe, a, what, maybe most a handful of shows that she has even been to when it comes to NXT? I mean, she is—you know—usually in the front row with her parents watching NXT. And I think that it's it's her loyalty and love for NXT is a big reason why, you know, she's just not a fan of the AEW product. And that's fine because even in that phone conversation, she's not knocking AEW. It's not for her. She prefers NXT. Nothing wrong with that. You
4: know, when it comes to giving something a chance, I, I understand both sides of the argument. With AEW, a brand-new wrestling company who's been able to achieve uh, things that A lot of other companies have not been able to achieve i think you have to give them the chance that they deserve and have earned but when i listen to a new song dave i know within five seconds whether i like it or not i mean i know pretty damn quick i know i like aew we're giving them a chance
3: numbers wise do you think people are giving them a chance I'd like it to be a little bit higher, but what my early projections were, I would say, yes, they are giving them a chance. Because I, I thought it would be between five and 600000 It's definitely higher than that. So I I do think fans are giving them a chance. I mean, at least I hope they are. Do you think that AEW is
4: earning the repeat customer? Yes. Do you think fans like Izzy should give them more of a chance?
3: Probably, yeah.
4: What do you think about AEW dissuades
3: people from watching it? I think I think everybody has been dying for this quote-unquote war, like the Monday Night Wars, that they've picked aside side before they even have watched the product. You have, and they, this goes both ways. There's these AEW loyalists that won't give NXT a fair chance because it's a WWE product. And I think there's WWE loyalists that don't want to see them win on Wednesday nights. So they won't watch AEW, which I think is just doing yourself a disservice because I I think both, I think both shows are, I think both shows are the best shows of the week. So
4: if Tony Khan invited you into the AEW locker room, this Wednesday night and said, you can give the entire locker room one piece of feedback on how to make this product better moving into 2020, what would you say?
3: I would say I would tell them just like what I would tell fans to be patient. Take time. You would time. tell the locker room to be patient? I would tell the locker room to be patient, yes. Make sure. In what that, way? In, both in and out of the ring. Um, maybe a little bit more psychology in the ring. And then when it comes to social media and what's going on outside of the ring, to just let it kind of roll off your back. You're, you're, you know, to kind of take what the WWE said in that statement when they lost week one. This is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And when we first read those words from the WWE, we we're like, ah, huh, you know what? This shows that uh, they're acknowledging it and maybe a little nervous. But you can also look at that and say, hey, we've been doing this for decades and decades, we know the deal. You know what? We're not looking at the short-term goals. We're looking at the long-term goals. And I think AEW's got to think that way as well. That letter that the
4: WWE sent out week one when uh, AEW beat them in the ratings was a very, very sharp double-edged sword. Yes. Either way you read that, you can get cut real quick, real deep, because it was that tip of the hat. Good job, rookie you got us out of, out of the box. But remember, we've been here for a long, long time, and nobody's been able to put us down, and we don't plan on having anybody put us down, so you better be in for the long haul. I, I found that letter very, very interesting. In in 2020, um, you know, when it comes to storytelling for AEW, I like the stories that they are telling with... The majority of their talent what i'd like to see the talent do on their and when i say they i like the stories that creative is telling with the talent what i'd like to see the talent do is tell better stories in the ring does that make sense to you it, de- it
3: definitely makes sense and I can see you saying that coming from the mind that you have and being in the ring. I can understand a professional wrestler looking at AEW and having that thought process.
4: And that's it. And I and I and that, and then I think your patience advice comes in because if creative is dishing out. Good ideas that are getting people emotionally invested. And then the talent is taking these ideas and turning it into good stories in the ring. You can only do so much. Here's where the patience has to come in. And eventually you're going to catch when appetite for destruction was first released. Nothing, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing happened. And they were almost going to give up on the record. And then they released Sweet Child of Mine, and boom, it hit. Do you remember that, Dave? I do. That's where the patience comes in.
3: It's like, uh, I'll even even use another rock uh, analogy from that time, Def Leppard's Hysteria, which sold over 25 million copies, was dead in the water when it first came out. The first single was Women. It did... Absolutely nothing. And it wasn't until Pour Some Sugar On Me came out that the album blew up and it sold over 25 million copies. Probably one of the greatest hard rock albums selling-wise, sales-wise, of all time. But you know what? The record company was patient. The band was patient. Management was patient. I don't know if you would get that same patience now. They would probably be like, this is this uh, this album's dead in the water. We're not putting any more money into it. We're done. We wash our hands of it. And this is something that, you, again, in 2020, I think we need to really preach patience. But if you're
4: AEW, if you're, every, if you're anybody from Tony Khan all the way on down to the guy who sets up the ring, how can you be patient when every Monday night you know you have a, a, a beast in the WWE coming at you every week
3: now? Don't you feel that the pressure is on AEW? No, and I'm going to tell you why. I think as fans, and even us as talk show hosts, put way too much into this quote-unquote Wednesday Night War with NXT. Because let's just say NXT loses consistently to AEW, which at the beginning they were. It's kind of changed. The tide has definitely turned. This is still the third show of the WWE. Raw's bigger. SmackDown's bigger on Fox. I mean, I know that WWE wants to win every single battle. But you know what? This isn't their biggest fight or their biggest battle. Because their fight in battle is not with another wrestling organization. It's with everything else that's going on that people are going to watch on Mondays and Friday nights. I think AEW can't get caught up in it. And I think the fans should also like understand that this is a fun battle, that at the end of the day, we're going to be watching both shows. Perfect example is what we saw on social media with the Dark Order and Dustin Rhodes with that punch that was like a mile away. Is that an embarrassing moment? Absolutely. But it shouldn't be an indictment on a whole company, a show, and the future of that company. And I think people put way too much stock because, you know what, that's that's just like a quarterback throwing an interception in a big game. Game's not over. You, you know, an interception in the first quarter of a game means nothing. It may mean something when it's all said and done, but you got to get over that mistake and you got to move on. AEW has got to acknowledge that a mistake was made, but they got to let it roll off their back and they got to move forward. Well, there, and, but there also needs to be accountability. Well, there definitely needs to be accountability. Yeah. They need to. Whoever needs that's to come to that
4: hood throwing those punches needs to be taken in a room and and said, listen, you need
3: to work on your stuff. Go, go work on your craft and come back later. And that's what I mean. It needs to be acknowledged, but you can't let it. Defi- fans can't let that define the show or the company. One mistake should not make people say, you know what? The AEW is shit. This company is shit. They have no future. And I'm seeing a lot of that on social media.
4: Absolutely. Those are the haters we're always talking about. But let me ask you this. If perception is reality and you're asking AEW to be patient and they have this competition every single week, what happens if the, in their patience, their numbers dwindle a little bit more and NXTs go up? Do they remain patient? If there was no competition on Wednesday night, I could go with the be patient theory with the way social media is, with the way the perception of wrestling fans is. I think if they're patient and their numbers dwindle, th- th- there's going to be this ganging up on them. Well, that I, th- I believe Tony Khan will pay his way through in the early stages
3: as he should. But bully, it'd be it'd be just like you and I do in this show. Like, we try to put on a good show every single time we're on the air. And there's some things that don't work, and there's some things that work. You know, obviously, in that process, if there's things that we know the fans don't like, or if we have certain shows and the numbers start to dwindle obviously you want to improve you obviously want to make changes when changes are needed but again you can't make drastic changes you can't completely change your course if you and I you and I get great great get great ratings here on busted open but let's say for a month span we don't But we look at that month and we say, maybe this is a bad month or, you know, maybe we need to do a little bit more of this and we need to do a little bit more of that. We don't say let's blow up the whole thing and start over. I think there's always room for improvement
4: absolutely and there's definitely room for improvement within aew i'm just taking your patience theory and saying with direct competition from the biggest company in the world on wednesday night can they afford to be patient or do they need to be pedal to the metal every single week
3: well i i think you should i think you should always put on your best performance you know, in in the NFL, do you walk on the field saying, "You know what? This is just another regular season game. It's not that big of a deal." No, you try to yeah, win but- every game, and you try to play to your best of of your ability. But if you lose a game, you can't now decide, "All right, we lost. Everything we're doing is wrong. We need to change." That's See, where the patience that- comes in. Well,
4: in an NFL game, you can be patient because you can be wait out the first and second quarter and be patient just like a boxer would to see what an opponent's going to do. Let them expose their offense and then try to capitalize on it. I don't know if AEW can be that patient. WWE doesn't have to be patient. And if anything were to go wrong, they could just close up shop with NXT, which they're not going to do because the place is firing on all cylinders. I just don't know if if AEW has the time to be as patient as I think you're talking about.
3: I wish, though, and we talked about New Year's resolutions, and then we got to take a break. We're definitely late. But... I just wish fans were a little bit more patient and I wish fans would like everything, or try to like everything. I wish fans, instead of rooting against A. I don't understand the rooting against AEW. Izzy's phone call was perfect. She doesn't like it. It's not her cup of tea. She prefers NXT, but she's not rooting against AEW. She's not hoping that NXT buries AEW. She understands, and, and she even said there are some wrestlers that she likes on AEW. If you don't like it, I don't understand why people are actually rooting for the de- demise of a wrestling organization. Let me take your word
4: patience, give you an exact example, and put it in a microcosm. Did you like what you saw from the dark order leading up to the other night when we got the payoff in the ring? Yes. Did you like the payoff? That means no. Your patience didn't pay off. They missed something with that dark order in the ring, right? True.
3: What did they miss? It, to me, it you didn't. To me, like with the vignettes and everything we got, it should have been a, a a bigger payoff than what we got that night with the dark order. They tried order. to they
4: tried to give you a big payoff. That those dark order minions killed every top star other than Chris Jericho. What could they have done? I think by going that far, they took a step back with the dark order. To me, that's no difference from a Roman Reigns situation. It's a force feeding. It, for me, it goes beyond the realm of believability that guys who are minions under hoods could possibly destroy
3: the characters that they did. Well, let me ask you this, Bully, because you talked about social media. After that moment with the missed punches with Dustin Rhodes, did that completely squash the Dark Order? No, I I'm not even looking at that. I know the that. Punch, I know, the know that. The miss
4: punches with Dustin. Listen, in the world of sports entertainment, mistakes can happen at any given moment. I have to completely ex- extract that. Okay. I'm talking about you're trying to get an act over and they had all of the right intentions, but by having those minions who we know are nobodies and nobody can, oh, oh well, maybe we don't, maybe they are somebody, we just don't know that. No, they are nobodies. They're the minions of the Dark Order. To have them lay out all of that star power and by the end of the segment basically be even numbers, I'm sorry, that payoff My patience did not pay off for me. I think they could have went about it a little bit differently. I think that the the Dark Order is going to be successful moving forward. Like I said, my example was just a small microcosm. We were patient for the Dark Order. We really, really loved all the vignettes. Really, really loved everything that they were doing. And then our patience got to that, that one night. And we felt a little bit let down. I know why I felt a little bit let down. And I'm, you know, uh, other people are killing it, in my opinion, for
2: the wrong reason. I, I, That I agree with. You. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156, the Busted Open Podcast.
3: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed?